scare, entice, and invite children into the underbelly of life as we know it. Come on a journey with the Literary Licensed Podcast as we explore in our Season 7 retrospective of Dark Family Films as part of our two-for-one. Congratulations, podcast. This is Dark Families Week. We'll be covering two Dark Family films. This week, we'll be covering Iron Giant from uh, 1999 and Monster House from 2006. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. We got Joe Randazzo with us. Hello, Joe. Hey, everyone. And we got Vicki Ray with us. Hello, Vicki. Hey, everybody. And I'm your host, Keith Shago. And now we'll get to our point where we talk about what we've been up to, starting with you, Joe. What have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? Had a trip to uh, see my nephew, uh, see my nephew for his birthday in uh, New Jersey, and th- thanks to the weather, it, everything was frozen, sub-zero temperatures in Chicago and in New York. They got hammered with snow, so my first flight got canceled. My second flight got canceled. And they put me on a third flight, which instead of sending me to Newark, where my brother was going to pick me up, they sent me to LaGuardia. And it took me four hours to get from LaGuardia to where my brother could pick me up. Yeah, and I caught bronchitis in the process, so I ended up basically bedridden in New Jersey for a week. But I got to see my nephew, so that was that was great. Got to h- hang out with him and play with him all week. And he just turned eight, and he's a, he's still a bundle of energy. On the flight back, I don't know why they put me on a flight that had a connecting in Detroit, and TSA when going through my bag, mishandled it and ripped it to shreds, and. Man, the travel portions of this have just been god-awful, but at least I got to spend time with my Your nephew. travel has gone completely down the shitter the last few years. Oh, it's been, yeah, it's been a while. It's been going on a long time. But yeah, it's... Uh, but significantly worse. Than the, I mean, I've traveled. I mean, like, I dread getting on a plane now. I truly dread air travel anytime now. I mean, look forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, and they're they're talking about doing things to get more people on the planes because they're not packed enough. So, whatever. I'm just glad I got to see my nephew. I got to spend a week with him. And even if I didn't get out and go see anybody, those it was are, brutal cold back east, though. It was it was colder in the Midwest, though. In yeah, the east, it, yeah, it was cold. Enough. It was like 19 here in Dallas, and it was. My mother said it was like 30 something up there in northern New York. So I know that was kind of weird. Yeah, it was negative uh, 14 the day I left Chicago. Fuck that. <laughs> so fuck that. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I don't live in Chicago anymore. One of the reasons yeah, I, why I moved. I, I, <laughs> we had to have the heat 
on 80 just to get it up to the 50s. Isn't that it, crazy? It, that's insane. It was, it was absolutely insane here. Thankfully, that cold snap is behind us, I hope. For now. For now. It's not February yet. Yeah. We still have February to go. Yeah, I joked with my nephew. I was like, yeah, from now on, your birthday's in May. <laughs> it's in May. We're observing your birthday in the spring now. That's that's just how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. It cold. Yeah. Uh, besides that, not a whole lot. Celeste, Celeste Parker from Hex and Arcane is one of my, you know, one of my closest friends. We we decided to start a 52 week movie challenge with each other where we went by this book that I got on Amazon and each week it gives you a prompt and we've each been watching one movie then just kind of messaging back and forth and I've been posting a review on my on my Facebook. The first week we watched your uh, Substack. What's up? Are you still doing your Substack? I haven't seen one in a while. Um, I have not. I have a bunch of stuff that's ready to post. I just haven't had a chance to go over there and just. I just thought I asked, but I forgot. Yeah, I, I I like to put in uh, stills from the movies that I that I do, and that's been where I've been kind of lacking the last couple of weeks is getting stills from the movies and putting them up there and then sending them through. I'll get to it soon. I definitely want to want to get more going with that. How uh, many weeks are you guys into your movie challenge? Well, we started the first week of January. Where the prompt was watch a horror film that was nominated for Best Picture, which there's not many. <laughs> so she went Why with Black it's Swan. Not Barbie. <laughs> well, Barbie's nominated for Best Picture. Uh, people really blew that out of proportion. We'll, we'll talk about that, I guess. I, she watched Black Swan, and I watched um, I watched Ghost, which is not really a horror movie, but I'm like, I've seen every other Best Picture nominee that was a horror movie, so. That's the one we had to go with. Patrick Swayze ghost. Yeah. yeah. Second week we had to do uh, watch a horror classic. The most classic horror film I could think of that I hadn't seen yet was Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte, which my mm-hmm. God, what an amazing movie. And Wait, uh, you haven't seen that yet? I had not seen that yet. Yeah, he was he didn't he didn't he was on the show when we covered it. Ah, okay. I digress. I oh, I, that might have been before I joined you guys. Yeah. I mean, she went with Psycho, which I'm assuming she'd seen before. Week three was something based on a true story. I went with the god-awful, terrible, the smiley face murders from 2020. <laughs> One of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Still yet to get through the whole thing. <laughs> it's, oh my God, it's tedious. And what was her third movie? Her based on a true story movie. Hang on, I'll look it up real quick. Cause, uh, she, she sent it to, she messaged me about it. Boom, boom, boom. And she went with, oh, Open Water. Open Water. That's a good one. That's a good one. Well, that's a good one. So Very loosely based on it. Well, but it's still a good one. Based. <laughs> I mean, they all are. I think I think the one that's probably the closest, I think one of the best true story movies I've seen is probably Mississippi Burning. I love Mississippi Burning. That's such Not a, good a horror movie, movie though. Not a horror. Well, well it depends on your outlook. Well, I don't know. I mean, if you're black, it's a horror movie. If I, I know, that's what I was saying. If you've already been horrified. <laughs> that was an that's awful true. movie at a time. God, that was an awful movie. Uh, I also, uh, I, I also, because like I've, I haven't had a lot of free time as much as I would because I was playing with my nephew and it was a lot of snow days. So he was home a lot. So I, I've been watching a lot of shorts. I watched some, uh, some Thelma Todd, Zesu Pitts shorts from the 30s. And uh, I watched some of those, and it's it's amazing seeing 
how, again, it's pre-code. It's amazing seeing how raunchy they could be before, before the Hayes Code kicked in. There was a, uh, it is unsettling, but they do it in a different way, though. They don't do it like you know. It's, I don't know. It's not subtle, but it isn't. I don't know. It's more gratuitous, I guess. I don't know. They don't do it like Hollywood does now. The old uh, pre-code movies. I mean, well, I think, I think what happened was is that once you were able to show everything, you just don't be you just don't become clever anymore. I know yeah, you've already crossed that threshold they're, they're, because they're, well, then you know, to get things, you know, to get things, you know, I mean, let's take the song "Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered." You know, if you, I mean, you listen to the lyrics of that song, it's just like it, it's a it's a raunchy song, but because of the code and everything like that. You kind of have to read between the lines, so you have to be a bit more clever of what how you're what you're talking about, uh-huh. and I think and I think that's probably why pre some of those you know films and stuff like that because you know they you know you have you didn't you don't have a fancy camera work because of, you know cameras weren't what they were and stuff like this, and then you had and you just had to view things in a different kind of way situation because everything had to be I mean basically they were stage plays put on film really. A lot yeah. of so and so you didn't you know so you know so when you had to like you know if you look at you know todd browning or anything like that you know his pre-code stuff you had to be a bit more clever about what you're showing and what you can't show by what you say and and the scripts are a bit more clever and everything had to be a bit more syntax everything had syntax to it so uh, you know but then i think that once the 70s happened and then you can start showing everything. I think sometimes I think things got a little bit lazy in a way. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, even here, I mean, like the humor is pretty broad. It's not, it's not really subtle at all. There was one where they went to Coney Island and you got a little boy with a you know giant lollipop in his hand. But the guy tells him, Hey, you can't go down the slide with that lollipop. He goes, I paid a nickel for this. I'm going to, uh, what do you think I'm going to do? Leave it up here. I ain't leaving it up here. So he goes down, loses the lollipop. Delma Todd goes down with whoever the boyfriend is. <laughs> and when the kid gets to the bottom, you see he doesn't have a lollipop anymore. And Thelma Todd comes through with her boyfriend. She gets up. She walks away, not, you know, thinking nothing of it. The little boy's looking for his lollipop. He, fo- he follows Thelma Todd, who's bending over to, like, pick something up. Sees under her skirt, the outline of the lollipop is now in her, is <laughs> it under her skirt, on her ass. So you just see the kid crouch down. Thelma Todd is... You know, standing up, you just hear her shriek, and the kid pulls out the lollipop, and I'm like, "This is 1931." Yeah. <laughs> and again, like, it might have went boom for some people, though. You never know. What are you doing? I paid a nickel for this. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the reason why the Hayes Code came in because it's films like that. That's the reason why the depression happened. <laughs> and uh, the the one that the one that the one that sent <laughs> over the edge was Sign of the Cross because of. Uh, Blood yeah. at Colbert taking a milk bath. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that. that, was that. I was like, nope, we got to do something. We got to. I also I I watched the one film from that Todd Browning, Todd Browning box set from Criterion that I hadn't seen yet. It was a film called The Mystic, which is really really good. I guess the film might have been lost before somebody found a copy of it. Criterion did a great job restoring it. I didn't watch Freaks or The Unknown yet, but I'll I'll get around to watching those soon. Freaks too. is like one of my favorite movies, like ever. I love that movie. Well, Freaks I, and 
one of my two favorite Todd Browning films. So I, I mean, I, I haven't bought it yet. I'll, I'll wait till I get to the states and I'll buy it when I'm there. But I'm just hoping that they were able to clear up the soundtrack on it because the soundtrack. I, I, well, I don't know. I gotta, I gotta check that out. I'm, that's what I'm hoping for because I, I know the picture's quite easy. I'm hoping they do because there's a lot of dialogue that gets lost in, in, the, in the current oh, copy, yeah. current copy because it's all crackly and everything, isn't it? Yep, so. and tinny. It's very tinny. Yeah. So. Um, I, and I should mention also because he 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 did the audio commentary on it, which I didn't listen to the audio commentary yet. David J. Skull passed away, who was one of the uh, died in a car accident on New Year's Day. So yeah, he was one of the foremost researchers in horror, in, in in classic horror, and I I posted this on Facebook and it holds true. If you've ever owned a copy of any classic horror movie, we have Dracula or any Universal monsters or anything from the 30s, and you've ever had that on DVD or Blu-ray, chances are he either produced produced or directed the documentary on there, did the research or did an audio commentary, or he's credited. For the research he did for whatever documentary was on there, so chances are, if you've ever had anything from you know any of these movies on your shelf at any point, he had something to do with that release, and it's really really a shame that he's he's no longer with us. And there's not a lot of details on what happened. All I know is car accident on New Year's Day. Some people said it was a hit and run. That's what I heard. Yeah. Whatever. Right, right for, one of the forums they said it was a hit and run. Yeah. That's so yeah. it's it's a shame, but we lost we lost one of the great researchers, one one of the most knowledgeable people on the genre to ever live. So yeah, I just wanted to quickly say something about that because he, without his research, I wouldn't know a lot of the things I know. I wouldn't have read a lot of the a lot of the the things I know. I know from reading his books. So yeah, David J. Skull is or was a legend, and his his work will hopefully live on. Hmm. So. That's it for me as far as what I've been doing. What about your stuff, Vix? What are you even up to? Not a whole lot. I'm trying to get house uncluttered. I need to paint my living room and stuff because I got all these crazy people coming April 8th for a eclipse. So I got to do something with my house. But not not a lot. It's been such a miserable cold and rainy week. And when it wasn't raining cold, it was like, oh, cold. And I don't like going out. So I, we watched some, some movie. I don't know if you watched it, but. Uh, um, we watched Nefarious. I've been waiting for that movie to come out. They kept banning it for some reason. I don't know why. Finally, I got to watch it. And uh, the one that that's probably the most fucked up scenario where you see, well, I won't give away too much. But it's really actually a good dialogue between the psychiatrist and this guy who's on death row who says he's possessed by the devil or legion. And he just sits here and has this dialogue one-on-one dialogue with this guy who can save his life or not. And it's probably the most fucked up dialogue I've ever seen. It was really quite good. I I can't give a higher recommendation for a movie, but it's called Nefarious. It's really, really good. And then there's this other one I watched called Dumb Money. It was about how the GameStop guys got together and totally fucked over Wall Street by taking over. Oh, yeah. I saw that, actually. (laughs) I I I seen that one. Like one for the little guy, got one on the big guy. Totally loved it. And then I watched a, a new, it was on Netflix. It was called Society of the Snow. It was a re revisited, uh, well, they had a really good voiceover. I was surprised that it was even a voiceover. 
but it was about the the rugby players that crashed in the Andes Mountains in 72. Oh, yeah. About alive. But it was a different take. And it was from there. It was actually, I think they're the ones that actually did the movie where that, because it was all. Is that, the one that's on, is that the one on Netflix? Yeah, it's so. It's, it's been the same guy who directed The Orphanage. Yeah. Yes, that was him. And it's really quite good. I mean, you should watch it. It's It was really, God, man, talk about the human experience and people just, I'm going to fucking live no matter what. Right to the avalanches. I mean, just a horrible, horrible. I mean, three months of that, hell, And not on top of that, you had to eat your friends to stay alive. But, you know. To be honest, I could eat my friends. I don't think I'd, I don't think I could deal with the cold. I don't know. I could know. The cold would suck. I don't think I could. Sitting there just shivering. Life. Like, can you imagine, like, shivering for three months? It's like, Well, I know exactly what human part. beings eat. That's why I would not want to eat another human being. Because we're just nasty. <laughs> well, I mean, it was, the, it was the 70s. So, I mean, and, and they're... Yeah, they're we didn't of, have time to start poisoning the food too much back then, I guess. I mean, they were Chichilians, so they probably had some really nice... They probably had really good diets. Oh, God, man, but can you imagine? It was just, it was just really well done. And it was, it was sad. You know, we all know what happens, but it was really well done. And it was um, just really, yeah. I think, I think the worst death in that, when you see the plane crash is when all the seats fold and you're caught you're stuck in the middle and you're like. And they, they show this too. They show the seats and stuff. Another reason why I will never put my head down in a crash ever I will not do it. You have better chance keeping your head up than you put it down. I would just break your neck. I was like, do you want to break your neck or break your legs? Make I would rather break my legs. But- I ra- I rather be the person who gets flown out the back of them. <laughs> well, they did. Well, they were all flying everywhere. Well, that doesn't make me happy because most of all, the last time we flew was on one of those seven thirty seven Max Plus jets. Fuck that shit. They're falling apart in the sky. I'm not getting on one of them mother. Well, they recalled them all for now, anyway. Oh, I, I tell you, the, the I tell you, the worst planes are here in here in England. It's like you go up to Scotland, and I had a friend who lived on the Orkney Islands, which is above Scotland. These are the islands, yeah. and the thing you have to get in this five seater plane, and you go from island to island, and you're like next island, I had to go like the I like the sixth island along the road, so <laughs> land on each island. It's like it's just shaking. You're thinking, I'm gonna die. I'm just gonna. Well, die. this is just. Well, this is just a good example of why we have to have people on a merit-based position on building aircraft. All I'm going to say, but yeah, yeah, aircraft is scary anyway. Man is not meant to fly. We are just always hurling ourselves up into the void for no reason. Oh, well, now you have all these cheap airlines, so it's kind of like like Ryan Airlines. Actually, they finally put back the fun Ryan guy on Instagram because Ryan Air has the best. Whoever came up with this best ever to to market that airline by making fun of how bad it really is, and but because it is that bad, it's, it's I not, would fly them again just because of their ads. I've I've flown I've flown Ryanair. I mean, every time I went to Spain, it was either fly yeah. um, EasyJet or Ryanair because it's cheap. It's like thirty quid to fly. Yeah, anywhere. yeah. So it's not bad. The problem basically is is that if you're going for like two or three hour flights, it's not bad. I would Anything never do. I would that. never do it. Eight hour flight with them, and the th- and the worst thing about it is like, you know how they make their money is that okay. First of all, it's like you know you got to starve make- you on the plane. That's why. <laughs> well, it's not just that, but they have to like you know like your bag had to be a certain size. So you got to make yeah. sure you do that. So anything over that third size, they, they charge you like fifty to hundred quid. 
And then the another thing that's quite difficult with Ryanair is that they're av- they get up. It's like on the flight, it's like every half hour they're getting up there. Like, join the Ryanair um, Lotto or join. <laughs> buy, join the, you know, would you like to buy something? Like it's like it's like a like, sales pitch. You at this point. I don't, I don't think it's, it's like a sales pitch. You're like stuck in sales pitch for like <laughs> building flags. You're like, oh, they're selling again. You know, b- buy this, buy that. Don't get on Air Europa. They're worse. If there's possibly anybody worse than Ryanair, it's Air Europa. Because if you have a if you have a transatlantic flight, they begrudge having to feed you. They are pissed. They have to work. They are pissed. They have to get you water. They make you beg for water all the way across. <laughs> Never to be honest, again. I think equal opportunity has ruined the airlines because <laughs> I remember a time where like you had to look a certain way and be a certain way to work on an airline. Now it's like anyone can work on there. And I'm talking about there are some real bitches that work. Stewardesses <laughs> now, and it's like, and they're like, they're like really grumpy. I remember like when I went to America, went to Florida, and you know I, I was on a United airline, and they had like I won't get out of again. But there was like I couldn't see this the the seat because the seats were at the little numbers above the seat. Yeah. They weren't where, yeah. they weren't where they normally were. So I was looking around and stuff like that. And so I asked the stewardess. She goes, "Find it yourself." She like had to go at me. I go, "There's no reason to be a cunt about it, right?" <laughs> she goes, "I can kick you off." She liked having to go at me. It's just like well, you're being rude. Yeah, fuck ask you where my seat was. It. That's all I ask. I tried to explain to my kids years ago, it was a big deal. They would feed you. Even if it was a two hour flight, they gave you that whole can of soda and a free bag of roasted nuts. God damn it. We can't now do nuts now because apparently if you have a, because if you have a nut allergy <laughs> and you're in the back of the plane, if someone's got a bag of nuts at the front of the plane, apparently you can die. <laughs> I, was like, I don't know. Yeah. Air travel has gotten really, really icky. I don't know. That yeah. is what we got, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not, not that anyone can fly. I mean, I'm glad that anyone can fly. Don't get me don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, I'm glad I don't have to wear a suit to get on a plane anymore. And all the yeah. But at the same time, it's like. <laughs> but you do. But that's but, when it was an experience. Now you're just packed in like fucking cattle. Well, I mean, you pay. Greedy bastard. Yeah, you pay what you and you, know, you get what you pay for. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so you're probably getting ready to. You're packing. What else are you doing? Yeah, um, I, this is my second week of retirement. So, yeah, I'm turning into like an old man where I'm having like naps in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> Just can. That's right. But but over than that, though, I mean, I've been doing, you know, bits and bobs. You know, all my boxes came today. So boxing, going to shipping, got to go to the embassy next week. Got to get Boo situated because Boo's going on the plane with us now. So got to get him sedated and get his sedation stuff. And so yeah, just sorting all that out, and we probably fly out within two, two weeks, two to three weeks. So, and it's gonna be good because when we land in Dallas, my half brother and my two little nephews, my twin nephews who I haven't met yet, who are five, oh. uh, they're 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 driving up from driving. I know. Up. As soon as I hear your plane landing, I'm calling immigration. <laughs> and they can't do anything about me. I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> they wouldn't give a shit anyway. What's going on? Uh-huh. So, you know, for <laughs> I won't say that joke, but you know, I haven't really seen much. I saw a really good documentary called American Nightmare on Netflix. The one about the oh, uh, kidnapping of the girl, and they tried to blame oh, it. I started watching that, I okay. haven't finished it yet. Oh my god, I mean, how what a screwed up story that is! 
And now that Gypsy Blackman child, I mean, watching her her little interviews everywhere. I mean, God, she's more she's such a media darling. Yeah. You know. I don't know why, but I guess. I I mean, I got. I mean, you know, I have my own. Chosen. I won't get into that because I I think I think she should have been. I think she should got as much as long as sentence as the boyfriend that she coerced into killing her mom. But yeah. I mean I but I mean it's, it's it's a sad story. I mean, but that's, that's I do, pretty messed up. But I do think you know her I do think that she knew what she was doing at the end because you know she goes, Oh, I never knew how old I was. I thought I was 16. It was like and she was like 24 by the time she escaped. And you're thinking how many sixteen-year-old birthdays? Then one time, when you you know, like a year, another year goes by, and it's like you're repeating that same birthday over, like on a yearly basis. <laughs> you got to twig at some point. Something's not quite right, but but I mean that's quite interesting. The only bad thing about it because her name is Gypsy Rose. If you want right. to look up anything about R- Gypsy Rose Lee, the, they look the, up the wrong thing. Yeah, her stuff all comes up everywhere. She's everywhere at the moment. So because we were I hate it. it when I look something up and then it's like all of a sudden there's porn up. so but um so i've been watching a bit of that and then ferris went to the movies with his cousin and saw an excellent movie he said he said he had to see the movie poor things with emma stone and mark ruffalo and william poor things yeah i've heard it's amazing i wanted to see it in theaters but timing didn't work out i didn't hear about it at all it's it's an update of frankenstein oh no shit really But it's very art, art, artist, artistically done. Artsy. He he was blown away by it. He was like, ah, oh, situations. So. What was it like? Beautifully filmed, kind of. Yeah, thing? he said he he was brilliant. He came he came home from it. Go, God, you gotta go see this again. I'm gonna go see this again. So he was really. Oh, cool. What's it called? Four things. Check it out. So, so, but other than that, not doing a lot. Had another going away party. <laughs> yes, last night with people I work with. So that was quite nice and. Lots of tears and pictures and stuff like that. Yeah. And I got my uh, and I got my address where I'm going to be moving to, which is funny because for the last 28 years I've been working with a person named Dr. Stratton. So we've been like this old married couple at work, really. And, you know, basically, you know, we haven't blinded each other and stuff like that. It's the way we work. But now I realize that my new address is going to be Stratton Drive. So everyone at work's like, oh, you're not going to get away from him now. So. But other than that, you know, just living the life and getting things sorted before we make the big move in a couple of weeks. So, yeah, can't believe you're actually coming here. Yeah. Just now that things are getting exciting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, think, I think I think things are exciting every, anywhere you go in the world at the moment. It's like, God, I don't even watch the news anymore. It's just depressing. I have to. I just look out the front porch now. <laughs> yeah. Well, on that note, that brings us to The Iron Giant, which is a 1999 American animated science fiction film produced by Warner Brothers, feature animation, and directed by Brad Bird in his directorial debut. It is based on the 1968 novel, The Iron Man by Ted Hughes, which was published in the United States as The Iron Giant, and was written by Tim McKenley's from a story treatment by Bird. The film stars the voices of Jennifer Anston, Harry Connick Jr., Vin Diesel, James Gammon, Cloris Leithman, John Mahoney, Eli Matherall, Christopher McDonald, and M. Emmett Mulch. Set during the Cold War in 1957, the film centers on a young boy named Hogarth, 
Hughes, who discovers and befriends a giant alien robot. With the help of a beatnik artist named Dean McCoppin, Hogarth attempts to prevent the U.S. military and kept Mainsley, a paranoid federal agent, from finding and destroying the giant. The film's development began in 1994 as a musical with the involvement of the Who's Pete Townsend, though the project took root once Bird signed on as director and hired Matt Cowley to write the screenplay in 1996. The film was animated using traditional animation with computer-generated imagery used to animate the, the Iron Giant and other effects. The understaffed crew of the film completed with half of the time and budget of other animated films. Michael Kamen composed the film's score, which was performed by the Czech Philharmonic. Though the, through home video releases and tele television syndication, the film gathered a cult following and is widely regarded as a modern animated classic and one of the greatest animated films ever made. In 2015, an extended remastered version of the film was re-released theatrically and on home video the following year. So what I'm going to do is cut to the trailer of The Iron Giant and be right back. What are we looking at here, Mr. Manley? This is no meteor. This is something much more serious. Invaders from Mars. Hey there, Scout. Hey, Manley, you work for the government. I have something for you. Where did you find that? Up at the power station. Hogarth was out there the other night. Really? See anything unusual, Hogarth? No thing unusual, really. So, I guess you're not gonna hurt me, huh? My own giant robot, I am the luckiest kid in America! Where'd he come from? He doesn't remember. He's like a little kid. Little, yeah. <laughs> Bandai! Every hero Sputnik is like that giant thing in the woods. We don't know what it can do. What are you talking about? You think this middleman is fun, but who built it? The Russians? The Chinese? Martians? Canadians? I don't care! You are going to tell me about this thing, and we are going to destroy it before it destroys us! We gotta show them you're good. You are what you choose to be. I'm Superman. We must stop it at all costs. Let's get out of here! Run! Ready the attack? My son is out there! We've gotta help it! Hogarth, no! I'm swimming! Giant? Welcome back to the Literature License Podcast. We're discussing the Iron Giants. So, Joe, what's your thoughts of the film The Iron Giant? Well, you know, you, you know, it's funny. We watched the, the the Lion King last month, and I said this could very well be the greatest animated movie of all time. I had heard, I'd never seen The Iron Giant before. I'd only heard of it. So, <clears throat> excuse me, sub lingering bronchitis. <clears throat> so, when I did finally see it. 
I had always heard it was good, but I didn't. I was not prepared for how good this movie actually is. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it, it's always been one of those things. Where it's like you have to, you have to see it. You have to see it. But oh my god, performances are fantastic. The animation is just gorgeous, and Vin Diesel is at his best when he's playing a, an object of some kind because he shows he does, more of doesn't he? He shows more emotion as a tree and as a tree in Guardians of the Galaxy and as as a robot here that he does in any other movie I've ever seen him in. That's um, true. <laughs> I mean, well, look at him in, in the other, like the Fast X or any other movies. He really doesn't smile or anything. He just kind you know, of you know what I think it is about Vin Diesel? The thing that makes Vin Diesel Vin Diesel is his voice. That's yes, it. it does. Well, he's sexy and estranged. Well, no, he, he's sexy. He's sexy when you see him talking. He's not sexy if you see a picture of him. <laughs> I mean, I don't think. I mean, I probably wouldn't try to pick him up on Saturday night if, if he was a nobody. But but, but if he came, but if he came up to you and started talking to you, he probably would melt your heart because he has a there's his voice. He has a really great voice. Yeah, but, he's he would grow on me. But he, yeah. but but he does but he doesn't emote a lot of emotion <laughs> no, he no he's not emotion he's not full of emotion at all that's why i was laughing when joe was saying that because it's true he's but even up. then it was just a small i mean he kind of had to build up his his repertoire of even speaking in this movie for one you know yeah. took a while god can you imagine getting him and sylvester stallone doing monologues against each other oh my god all all, all, all the we should get them together. We should get them together to the vagina monologues with Vin Diesel and Slice <laughs> Oh my God, he he's Stallone without the emotion. Yeah, well, but Stallone, it's, but it is your Stallone, typical. Stallone doesn't have a lot of emotion either. I mean, his emotions when he's emotional, he yells. That's yeah. true. That's true. <clears throat> if I could change, you could change. Anybody could change. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I also know Stallone to go slightly off topic is that when he's upset in a movie that say someone dies or whatever like that, he's like he always has to say, but he has to like say that he has to say some some sentence about how he, how he's upset to say to show that he's upset because he can't see his face. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever notice, watch anything. I don't care if it's like cliffhanger or whatever. But if you I see a film where someone dies, and he has so emotion. He's like, this really makes me sad. <laughs> Yeah, he does. He does, doesn't he? Now that I'm sitting here thinking back on it. Yeah. Well, I, I still have to watch Expendables Four. Maybe we'll see it in that. <laughs> what? <laughs> what movie's that? Expendables Four. I love those movies. Don't okay, you see it now? Flies a lot of shows real emotion. I love all those red movies and the Expendables. I love all that shit. I love seeing Ellen Mirren kick ass wherever she goes. She's yeah, like I, a spirit animal. I, I've heard Expendables 4 is one of the worst movies of, of last Listen, year. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen 4. Well, I mean, the thing is, I mean, it's pretty bad. I mean, I mean, the Expendables are interesting only because they gather a lot of action heroes together, don't they? Right. So it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like Freddy versus Jason kind of situation. <laughs> but so, you know. It's if you're, if you're falling below the par and the and the par isn't that high, the bar isn't that high to begin with. <laughs> what? Cliffhanger yeah. was a good movie, though. Cliffhanger was a good movie. No, I, I like. I mean, I, I mean, I love Daylight. I like. Cliffhanger. I like Daylight. Yeah, I, you know, I like. What's the one that he that's set in New Jersey with the mafia and he's a cop? Oh, Copland. Copland's yes. amazing. 
that is that a really is funny great. game. I might watch that today now because it's kind of miserable here in Texas. So. Yeah. So I mean, he he does excellent. He does excellent films. It's just that I think he, there's the films he does for the paycheck, and then there's the films he does for his art. So I think you have to. I don't I mean, think he I even like Demolition Man with um, Sandra Bullock's. I mean, and then you think the Iron, Iron Giants were like about a little kid doesn't have a dad, sort of like. Do you ever notice like little boys that just need some kind of father or brother or whatever? They just find all of these like alien kind of thing. You got the Terminator, you got that alien Terminator too, you know. Now you got him, and you got ET kind of thing going on. But it's all about little boy needs a male role model. Is like so. What happens? A bio whatever. Thing falls out of the sky and just happens to land next to him. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought it was a beautiful film. I thought it was. I liked it. My, my of- favorite part is when he was trying to eat the power plant. The kid was trying to turn it off because <laughs> he was electrocuted. So. <laughs> I mean, I quite I liked. I mean, I think the animation was quite beautiful because it kind of remind me of um Tom and Jerry animation. It yeah, did, like did the it? colors and the way that's drawn. You know, not 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 the not when Hanna Barbera took them over, right? But- that. And they had that kind of like that 1950s kind of animation style, which I quite liked. So, what was and, it? The uh, little boy wanted a pet, or was the giant wanted a pet? Because he got really upset when the deer got killed. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think of something. He was such a, he was a gentle giant, though. I mean, he pretty much exuded, you know, what a human, humans should exude, but don't. Of course, we want to dissect and kill everything. And he wants to preserve things. But I, the one part I, I've watched this a million times because of my kid is that his eyes only go red when he thinks something is trying to attack. When he's on the offensive. Yeah, okay. But that wasn't normal, was it? No, I think it's uh, basically it's just um, when he's on the offensive. I mean, he, he didn't outwardly attack anything. It's only when he was being attacked and then his eyes right. retaliation situation so i mean brian bird went on to do the incredibles after this right and mission impossible four i mean there's he he ended up doing a lot of great stuff so yeah this launched his career god uh, i i love the beginning of the movie where the the little boys up late watching the old sci-fi movies on tv yeah it, it kind of you know when, when we got uh we got cable and back when i lived in new york i'd stay up late yeah, you because know, I got a cable box in my bedroom. That's how I discovered so much stuff. So that that kind of gave me a little nostalgia feels. Yeah, didn't it? Yeah, especially you know being a little boy. But but I liked how they portrayed the the the, the robot guy though. He's all boxy, big, but he, he he's clumsy looking. But yet he's nimble, you know. And he's not this big, you know, plots and, and but he could be, but he's not. I mean, I just like what they did with the characters in the film. I mean, the mom. I don't. You, you think the mom ends up with a beatnik? Yeah, yeah. I was. Yeah. They do end up together, right? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, they do. I mean, the Iron Giant becomes a is a cultural icon now. I mean, the thing is, you'll see, you'll see. My kids pop, loved it. Well, I, you see him pop up and stuff. I mean, he's in. He he makes an appearance in Ready Steady One. Really? Yeah. He's, he pops up there. And whenever, and whenever, every once in a while, it's like if you see anything like animation or anything like that, they, they, he does, that character does pop up every once in a while. I mean, he doesn't say anything or anything like that, but the figure is and the way he looks. And 
Well, I'll just kind of paint though the film like this. It doesn't matter whether it's a children's film. Even adults can enjoy something like this because there's really something in it for everybody. It's just a good, fun film. Mm. You can't have to worry about your kids watching it either. You know, it's it's, it's just really well done. It's a meat. It's a meaty animation film as well. It's very meaty. It's like you know, it's like everything. There's a lot to the story. Yeah, everything kind of means means everything. You know, right? Even to the point where they have to hide in the junkyard, you know, and then he realizes he needs to eat metal for energy. <laughs> so, yeah, well, he'd be great in a recycling bin. On no shit, man, he makes some like in black. That. I wonder if there's any copper in that guy. <laughs> <laughs> we have problems in this country with Romanians because what they'll do is they'll rent property and take out all the pipes and sell them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like a news. There's like a news story about it on, on the other day on the news. <laughs> so, but um, but I mean, I think overall, I mean, I think it's a it's a film that works on so many levels, and it, I I quite like the the touch of the red scare, you know, that was going on in the fifties. A little bit, like, yeah. Communist thing is kind of flowing through there, and yeah, you know, people were nuts back then. It was like they really thought they were coming to you know blow the shit out. I guess they would have if they could have, though. Well, I think, you know, you know, now you now you find out it's all about keeping everyone in fear all the time, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. The crisis and all that other stuff that was going on around, that was coming up behind all that. You're so, such a cool robot, though. And then you kind of hung on to every word the robot said because Vin Diesel has such a low dialogue in this movie that you want to hear what he has to say. For some reason, I kept thinking it was Jeremy Irons at first. Then I found like, oh, it's Vin Diesel. I don't know why. I think Jeremy Irons did something similar. But it's just making me nuts. I can't remember what part he was it was. Scar. He was Scar. <laughs> oh, maybe that's what I was thinking. Then maybe that's where I was getting confused. Maybe it's because it was Scar. I love Jeremy Irons, too. I mean, he does no wrong in any movie, as far as I'm concerned. But th- this is just a good, fun film. I mean, anybody, everybody should watch it. It's I think different. they did a good thing about breaking away from the whole Disney thing because animation at this at this point was you know adding turning things into musicals, which right. worked really well over there. But I'm kind of glad they didn't do that with this. No, they had plenty. Of, they they had a good script. I yeah, mean, they, really well, they, well worked read well. I mean, because can you imagine they just started bursting out in song? It would have been horrible. No, <laughs> sometimes I just don't want a musical. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just. It, yeah, sometimes I just don't want a musical, you know. Well, it's, it's kind of funny because Pixar, even though their movies aren't musicals, they always tend to have some kind of a musical, you know, like Randy Newman song on, you know, like if you're like a friend of me playing in the background or yeah. whatever. Or that song's like, getting stuck in my head now. Or you know, Cars has a lot of a, a soundtrack behind it. But when you do The Incredibles, The Incredibles doesn't have any soundtrack behind it at all. So it's almost like. There's not there's no theme song from The Incredibles, is there? There's no, you know, there's no pop song. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. I I guess there isn't. So, so obviously, you know, he. I'm glad that he stuck to his guns, and and he, and he probably had to stick to his guns with The Incredibles as well. I imagine not throwing in them. It was just a great script, though, and it was it was a heartwarming little film, and everybody ends up happy in the end, you know. And then the giant, you know, his little parts are trying to find each other. So, you know, he isn't totally gone because that's the sucky part of the movie, thinking that he blew up. Well, it's yeah. easy. 
idea that your 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 energy will always live on afterwards. That's I guess the idea behind that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, th- this had an incredible voice cast too, because Harry Connick Jr. is great as the what's the character's name? The Beatnik character. Beatnik. Oh God, what was his name? Oh, Dean. I, I'm looking right now. Okay, it's Dean. Harry Connick Jr. is fantastic as Dean. And Christopher McDonald as the FBI agent. Yeah. Is freaking hilarious. I know. What a pain in the ass. Why would she keep letting him in the house? What I couldn't figure out. It's like, why does he keep popping up like a bad penny? It's just like, stop coming over. (laughs) It's like, stop. I think, I think, I think it's, I mean, I, I think the character of Dean, I think quite works very well because. It kind of makes him, because of his beatnik lifestyle and his his thought process about how how to look at things. I think it kind of gives makes him in tune with the sun, with Hogarth, in a way because it kind of like you know you, you know he believes him and he's supporting him and you know he's you know and with the Iron Giant he does you know help him. Where I think that if he had like, you know, let's say that Annie had a a typical boyfriend a businessman boyfriend or someone who's very very polished or whatever i don't think that it would give him the right support for yeah. Hogarth's character because it's it's hargoth's character and it's almost like annie falls in love with dean because of dean's love for the for her son and yeah to, the understanding for her son and i thought that was i thought even though it's kind of like it was kind of weird, but then by the time it all comes together, it all kind of makes sense because then when the Iron Giant goes away, so he's never going to see him again, Dean's able to fit into that role to, to be the understanding friend and father figure for the boy. Yeah. So all the way around, it was all, it was a feel good thing. There was a happy ending. It wasn't. Yeah. The only, the only thing I probably didn't like because it felt like a big attack on is that the Iron Giant was reassembling himself in Iceland afterwards. Because in a way, it kind of felt like, oh, we need to tack on a happy ending. Because yeah. I think if you look at things like E.T. or Old Yeller or any of these family family films that have like a dark theme through them. And normally it's like, you know, the boy has to deal with loss and death and then move move on. Right. And so just kind of death. So it kind of felt like, well, you know, w- with that tack on where, you know, starting to reassemble and stuff, I, I did like it, but it also felt like, are they opening themselves up for a sequel if this was successful? It kind of had that tacked on feeling. Oh, today. yeah, they might have, but they didn't, did they? Well, no, the movie didn't make money when it came out. So it made more, it made, it made its, it made its money on home video. Yeah. And to be honest, I saw the, the first time I saw Iron Giant is because I saw The Incredibles and liked The Incredibles so much. Then I watched Iron Giant because of that. So my kids were all young back then. So they wanted to go see all this stuff. So, but I mean, I bought a, I mean, I, I did buy a copy once I, you know, once I saw it, it's like, oh, I got to have a copy of this. So yeah, I'm going to be doing the same. I watched it on, uh, on YouTube or it was free with ads. And I think I'm going to be, I'm gonna be probably picking up the Blu-ray or DVD of it eventually. Cause this is, this is what I'm definitely going to revisit. I've seen the, I watched the extended version this time around. So, cause it was on Amazon here. So. Oh, okay. I didn't realize there was, there was an extended version. Yeah. There's an extended version that came out. So um, now after watching the extended version, I'm thinking, mm, maybe I will go out and actually rebuy it as an extended Blu-ray. I have it on DVD, but I don't have it on Blu-ray. So.
but so I guess let's rate Iron Giant. So Joe, how many stars do you give Iron Giant? Five. It's pretty perfect. Like I said in the in the beginning, it's when when we watched The Lion King, I said, you know, this is in the discussion for the greatest animated movies of all time. And after seeing the Iron Giant, yeah, so is this one. I can't believe I'd never seen it until last week. So yeah, five five for me. What about yourself, Vix? Five pretty much for the same reasons that Joe said. It's just a it's a great flick. I'm going to give it a solid five. Strong storytelling, great animation. Great script. And it doesn't talk down to you either, which I quite like. Not at all. No. So, So Vicky, you came from this in the position of having seen it multiple times because you watched it with with your grandkids. How does it hold up to, like, multiple viewers? Oh, he loved it. My kids loved it. Then they were about this age when they saw it the first time. And Asher loved it. He thought he loves the old animated stuff. He likes that animated stuff more than he likes the newer stuff that's coming out. You know, I mean, he really likes the old animated stuff a lot. I'm kind of wondering. If that, I'm wondering that. if the anim- animation self stuff's going to come back because with Spider-Man multiverse, because that uses a lot of different animation styles. But it's got, but they're they're using computer animation to make it look like cell animation. And that's done really. I well. I don't know. I just know that a lot of the, the kids I see, like even with his friends. They love this stuff, and there's there's a really there's an audience there. I mean, I don't know what people are. I don't know They're, they want to put all this other crap out, but there's an audience for this. I know because I see it all the time. Well, I kind of wonder because I'm wondering if CGI is going to be taking a backseat and set animations coming back. Because when you do watch, you know, going off topic with Spider-Man: The Multiverse and the, the sequel, they do a lot of things that have a, a different kind of animation look to it. So it looks more animation. It doesn't look it doesn't have that 3D CGI. Yeah. You know, it's not your Pixar or your Fox or right. Forth. And that's done extremely well. So I'm, I'm wondering if, and the, and the, the computer generated movies are not doing. Well, not Pixar doing, stuff. I love everything. Yeah, but they're, but they're, but they're not, they're not making, they're not making the money that they, that they did. And it's not because, it's not because they're bad. It's just that I'm kind of no. wondering, I'm just kind of wondering if the trend's going back a little bit to, well, things do come full circle. We've seen that. We've been around long enough to see that. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. So I'm kind of wondering if that's that's going to be the new thingy. Only because you know, only because if you watch if you watch Spider Man the multiverse films, which both are excellent, yeah. I highly recommend it. But they do have it. It's an animation style that's not that doesn't look like your typical Pixar or your typical right. you know, Ice Age movies, so on and so forth. So, so I'm kind of wondering if that if it's starting to circle back. That he likes the Batman stuff, he's never seen the Batman either. But when I put him on, when we're doing for he loves that stuff too. I mean, the kids like it, they don't even know it exists yeah. until I start putting it on. It's like, oh, Asher's going to his buddies, check this Batman out, you know, the animated series. They're watching it. I quite like old animation like this. I think Iron Giant does a book, they do a fantastic job of like doing the mix. I mean, Disney did it with Hercules with a mix of CG. Yeah. So, but cell animation, I have, for some reason, I have more of an appreciation for because I know that someone sat down and was just drawing it by hand, each and yeah. every cell. So lovingly, so yeah. But so I, you know, I give Iron Giant a solid five for me. So yeah.
Our next film is Monster House, which is a 2006 American animated supernatural horror comedy film directed by Gil Keenan in his directorial debut with a screenplay by Dan Harmon, Rob Scrub, and Pamela Petler. From a story about Harmon and Scrub, the story follows a group of kids who discover an attempt to stop a sentinel haunted house that consumes anything that comes near it. The film features the voices of C. Bushimi, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Kevin James, Nick Cannon, Jason Lee, Fred Willard, Joe Hatter, Catherine O'Hara, and Kathleen Turner, with Mitchell Musso, Sam Lerner, and Spencer Locke as the main protagonists. Produced by Columbia Pictures, Relatively Media, and executive producers Robert Zemeckis and Steven Spielberg, Image Movers, and Amblin Entertainment, respectfully, the human characters are animated using motion capture animation, which was previously unutilized in Zemeckis' The Polar Express in 2004. It was also Sony's first computer animated film produced by Sony Pictures Imageworks and, Revel- and Relatively's first animated film. Monster House was featured, was released theatrically by Sony Pictures Releasing on July 21st, 2006, received generally positive reviews from critics and grossed $142 million worldwide against a $75 million budget. It received nominations for Academy Award for Best Animated Feature and the Golden Globe Award for Best Animated Feature Film, but lost to Cars and Happy Feet. So what we're going to do is cut to the trailer of Monster House and be right back. If anything happens, call the police and hide in your closet. He knows that. Have fun tonight, okay? Every neighborhood has a house with a secret. Awesome kite. There's something going on at that house. This is why nobody will sit next to us at lunch. You'll see. No ghosts. Kara, come back, please. <sighs> Kara, I'm serious. <laughs> From executive producers Robert Zemeckis and Steven Spielberg. Oh, no. When no one will listen. Don't go any further. Are you guys mentally challenged? If you are, I'm certified to teach you baseball. When no one believes. The house grabs things and pulls them in and eats them. (laughs) We'll see you later. It's up to them to save the neighborhood. We have to fight back. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't want to go inside a monster. I say it's worth a shot. Yes, I agree. Let's do it. Get ready to cross over. What are you weirdos up to? Oh, nothing. To the other side of the street. Just something in the house just tried to eat us. No more Mountain Dew. Don't make a sound. If those are the teeth and that's the tongue, then that must be the uvula. Oh, so it's a girl house. What? Make a move. Freeze! Tree? And whatever you do, don't go on the lawn. Don't look back! I look back! Monster House. Stupid house. Directed by Gil Kennan. Hello, welcome back to Literature Lessons Podcast, and we're discussing Monster House. So, Vix, what are your thoughts of Monster House? I freaking love this one. 
Who does it? Who does it from their memory? Especially Gen X kids, probably. Remember the mean old man that would take your friggin' wiffle ball or any bullshit that fell on his yard. I, we had one. His name was Mr. Montague. I'll never forget him. My brothers used to make me go in the garage and steal all our shit back that landed in his garden because I was like the little one. Fucking assholes. They did that shit to me all the time. But I mean, that's that's the first thing I thought about was my childhood when I started watching this. And we all had who didn't have a house that looked haunted and scary. I mean, this this movie totally resonates with you as a youngster. Doesn't really matter how old you are, what decade you come from. It resonates with you. But I just really thought it was really cool how the house had taken on the persona of the dead, mean, big, big woman. She had to be a big woman. She couldn't be young and spit or yeah, pretty and spindly. No, she's got to be big, <laughs> ugly, and mean. Yeah. <laughs> so that she takes on the persona of the house, it's which like makes it even scarier. <laughs> Because she's even got a uvula, you know? <laughs> you know? So, I mean, it was, I thought it was just absolutely just fun. It was so much fun to watch. I loved it. There were some moments in this movie where I was like, wait a minute, what's this movie rated? Because some of this dialogue is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know. Some of this dialogue's too. a little racy. Oh, bet. I think that those are those little Easter eggs, though, for us adults sitting there with the kids in the audience, you know? I think that's brilliant how they do that, too, sometimes. you got to be really good at it to really get that joke across. <laughs> sometimes I wonder it has to be racy because Steve Buscemi's in it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't see him be, <laughs> being... Mr. Nevercracker, that was his name, Nevercracker, and it was called The Danger Zone. And then you had the little fat friend. Yeah, everybody's got their little spanky type friend, you know, <laughs> that hangs out too. And I I mean, the dog, I was kind of hoping the dog would come back. Just like, why did they have to kill off the dog first thing? House eat the dog. It's like, don't eat the dog. But it was just a lot of fun. Uh, I the, dog can, the dog comes back at the very end. Yeah, well, everybody it, does. But I just thought it was a lot of fun how you think this is this mean old man, but he's just trying to protect the neighborhood the whole time. And he wasn't as mean as he thought, but he was scary looking. And he, he just reminded me of the scary old man. He was a mean old fucker, that guy next door. Man, did he fucking take our shit all the time? He was I, like, I, 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 like the, I like the babysitter who's like sweet as pie. And then she just changes. Babysitter. <laughs> what, a, what a bitch. I mean, what a total twat the babysitter was. She's just going to have her buddy in or whatever. Thank God he got it first. He threw the beer bottle in the yard. But yeah. I mean that that was funny. That was I really got a kick out of this movie. I quite liked um the I have to say though the animation style was kind of odd. The characters were kind of different. Wait, but, but I mean you get used to it because it's quite weird because there are a lot of computer games that use this animation style now with the, char the characters looking like this now and a lot of different games coming out now. It almost kind of reminded me of James and the Giant's Peach. Not that it was like that, but there was something about it that resonated to me yeah. like that. Well, see, I think it's because of the face features. But James and Giant Peach is stop motion. So yeah. it's computer generation. So it's almost like, but there is, seems to be that kind of nod to the animation style. Yeah, just, just something about it for some reason. <laughs> Made me I mean, think of that. I wouldn't see this when it was in 3D, which is quite fun to watch in 3D when I saw the movie theaters. Oh, really? I didn't know it was in 3D. I, I just got a kick out of how the house had the uvula and the, the mouth, and and then, then it did get mad. It showed its, you know, the, the phys physical, you know, humanness of the house. It just, 
I thought it was just all really well done. It had a lot of Steven Spielberg tropes in it, though, didn't it? A like, little bit. The three kids. Yeah. The father, you know, the parents not being around and all that kind of stuff. But but it's quite nice to see Robert Zemeckis. I think he helps make this work as well. Because it does have his... It does I was have surprised his... to see him on. The, I, I didn't know he, he had something to do with it until I found mm-hmm. it. It's like, wow, I didn't know. You know, they, they he comes from his godlike whatever from on high to come down and do a cartoon. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, I mean, I think the last thing, I mean, I think the last animated thing he did was Roger Rabbit, wasn't it? So it was one of them, I think. Wait, was oh, Polar yeah. Express his? Oh, yeah. Polar, I didn't like Polar Express. I didn't like no, it. I, I liked, I didn't hate it, but it didn't really keep me on the edge of my seat much. But then again, it was supposed Tom, to. Tom Haynes CGI'd in it. That's, yeah. That, yeah. I found that weird. I just, and they also did a Christmas Carol, the same kind of with Jim Carrey. And the Christmas yeah. That, I just found that that was just a bit too weird. I think this works where I think that, that animation style kind of, you know, where they kind of like scan someone's face in. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It was, it was a little, it was, it wasn't any. I mean, it wasn't horrible. I mean, I mean, I thought that that it was I, the Polar Express. I liked it the first time. I mean, it's just something I don't actively seek out to watch. It's not exciting enough for my eleven-year-old grandson for one, and it was yeah. never exciting for my kids back when it first came out. They want that. We went to go see it when it first came out. I mean, it was beautiful to watch on the big screen. The Polar it was boring though. It was a boring film. But it was boring, but it was pretty. Yeah. But, I mean, it's a bit like looking at a pretty picture, isn't it? It's like you can, after five minutes. But that's what it was. It was a big, pretty picture that went on for 90 minutes. Yeah. 90 minutes too long. I could have dealt with. It was way too long. I could have dealt with. If it was a 90-minute film that felt like three hours. If I can remember straight. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. What did you think about this one, Joe? I like this one a lot. Not as, I mean... Not as much as the Iron Giant, but it's it's pretty excellent. I actually, I, I didn't hate used the to pic- have an old man that used to take your whipple oh, ball. It was an old little. lady. It was an old. Oh, lady. it was an old lady. Okay, we can't. Uh, Something sexist. Her I'm name was Tessie. Like. Her name was Tessie, and she lived a few block. Uh, she lived a few houses down from the house that looked haunted. So uh, <laughs> See, everybody's got one. I'm telling you. If anything went in her yard, it was hers. If we were playing in the street in front of her house and we were, <laughs> we were making too much noise, she would come out with the water hose and start spraying us with the water hose to chase yeah, us all I, away. I hope I'm never, I mean, I'm pretty close to being old and get up the fuck off my lawn now, but I haven't gotten mean yet where I spray the little kids. I, I, go by with I, I can't imagine anybody is anymore. It seems to be kind of a thing that was, just involved, you know, just for like our generation. Uh, just wait. Give me another 10 years and that's going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stand on my porch and just scowl and yell at everyone as they walk by. <laughs> when I'm in my 70s. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't wait for you guys to be here for Halloween. We can torture young children. Oh yeah. Nothing. Children love to be tortured anyway. That's the, that's they do. The, they need it. They need it. Yeah. That's why they love horror films. Um, you know, I just got it confused because I've been watching. Actually, I finished it already. There's a Ted. <clears throat> there's a Ted TV series on Peacock. Uh, yeah. 
husband. And for some reason, I just, I just thought, oh yeah, the scene where they, where they get up on top of the roof and start chucking eggs at the kids. I'm like, wait, that wasn't in this movie. That was in the the Halloween episode of Ted. So, <laughs> so yeah, wa- ch- check that out too. For some reason, I was about to mention it like it was part of this movie. It, I, like I just completely got them all mixed up together. That Ted, they, they, uh, that Ted series has got to be a guy thing because you're like the third guy that asked. You watch the Ted series yet? I'm is that Ted the the bear? The yeah, bear. I, I didn't go out of my way to watch it. Sean Sean has been watching it, and then I was just like, all right, well, cool. And uh, then yesterday, I was like, I had like an hour and a half or something to kill before work. I'm like, let's just watch these last three episodes real quick and just knock them out. But yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. And for some reason, I was about to mention the scene. Where they're up on where they're up on the rooftop chucking eggs at trick or treaters <laughs> as if it was part of this movie for uh, yeah I don't know why I got mm-hmm. myself a little a little mixed up mm-hmm. but but yeah I I love the design of the house I love when they go down into the depths of the house the animation there is so much fun it's so cool I didn't hate the babysitter as much hating um, she was abrasive. I think, yeah. I, I think my problem with the babysitter is I quite, I, I quite like her turn in the turn that she did because it it sets it apart from any normal, a normal family film. That's right. what, that's what I quite like, but she doesn't, I thought that she's going to end up playing more of a part in the house that she doesn't. That's what I was thinking too. I was kind of hoping she would get involved. Like, you know, like in the babysitter movies, the babysitter always gets involved you know yeah and she's kind of like she just shows up in the beginning and then she's she's missing in the middle and then she's in, then she pops in the end when her boyfriend pops back up so it's kind of a you know it's, it's kind of because I, I to be honest it's like i mean she's, she's a shit babysitter because obviously she doesn't even know the kids are not even in the house <laughs> yeah well, she was more interested in her her buddy that was there. Come over. What was his? Yeah, but he did. But he disappears. I mean, he, he gets drunk and goes out to the house, and you know. well, she kicks him out, and then he goes yeah, and he, the beer bottle. He goes, yeah, and then he gets taken away, so she doesn't even realize that he's missing. So, <laughs> so I, I think she brings him up like maybe once, like during the end, towards towards like the three quarters through the movie, she asks about him or something. Yeah. Had anybody seen her friend? Yeah. But but she didn't have. I just thought she'd have more of a role, really. I mean, it doesn't take away from the movie or anything. But, and I guess that's quite a good thing because it does set it against what you're normally used to, right? You know. And I like and I like the tomboy girl. I liked her a lot. I love the little girl doing her bicycle in the beginning. Yeah, she was like she was really independent little shit, wasn't she? Yeah. But, but yeah, I think. I mean, I think the movie sets us apart because it, I think it does break from a lot of things that we're quite used to. And uh, maybe, you know, which I think kind of, you know, like we said about the babysitter and, you know, like the little girl in her bicycle tra- trailer is like, she doesn't, she disappears, she doesn't come back in. So she, I thought that she might, you know, I thought she's going to be like the younger sister or the boy or the main character or, but she's not at all. She's just a neighbor kid. Well, then towards the end, though, I mean, the house always seemed to, want to track children by make sure their toys ended up in the yard because that's how the the house would 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 steal people through the years mm-hmm. just because of that but they all get their toys back or they give all the toys out at the end i thought that was kind of a nice you know the old man's handing out the toys at the end the the, the basketball you know the bicycles i mean why was he in love with her yeah i don't know to each his own i, me. I mean she was she looked- nice until she died no, she was horrible. No, she wasn't though. She looked like Lulu from Hee Haw. 
She yeah. died. Yeah, she was. I was trying to figure out what she reminded me of. She died being an asshole. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I well, no, she. What did she fall on? She fell onto the the ground, right? And then yeah, the they made they, they made fun of her because a giant. But she was she but she was a like a neurotic manic depressive, wasn't she? I mean, she was kind of like Well, she uh, was a big fat lady from the circus kind of thing, you know? Yeah, but I'm saying that I'm sorry, but if you're that fat, you're gonna have to develop your personality. <laughs> Just sorry. <laughs> Just the way it is. More of you to love that way. Yeah. And I, I mean, get upset if I'm 20 pounds overweight. <laughs> she sits around the house, around the house though. But but yeah, well, so the house just well, turns into her though, right down to the facial features though. But just it looked like the Amityville Horror House every once in a while, didn't it? Yeah, I mean there there's a house around the corner here that looks like it looks like it has eyes, a nose, and a mouth. It, it, it doesn't. It's just the way the windows are. Just the way it looks. Yeah, but I kind of like that though. I think it's kind of. But I kind of wish that the yeah that there was a reason why she was the way she. I mean, I know she was. You know, was she evil because people just made fun of her because she was fat all the time and that's what turned her into that? So I kind of wish there was a little bit more clarification. I kind of wish that she was kind of a nice person and then, you know, someone was being mean to, you know, a group of kids were being mean to her and that's what caused her death, maybe. Yeah, because it's not clear that anything like that happens. It's it's strange in that way because why is she the way she is? Why is she such an asshole? And why is he in love with her? Yeah. What does he see in her? I mean, it kind of did look like Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater had a wife because <laughs> you had him because he was like really, really skinny and she was really, really big. So it kind of had that Peter, Peter, pumpkin eater kind of look to it, you know, <laughs> you know, or, you know, I, or that. Or I, I mean, when we were watching with Ferris, I said, you know, that childhood thing that you said, you know, fatty and skinny went to bed, fatty rolled over, now skinny was dead. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of have that kind of feel to it. But yeah, I, I just got so. And she always had like a and when it, when they did her backstory, she she just had a scowl on her face all the time. So like there's no like Well, he loved her for what he saw something in her for whatever reason. He loved her. I don't know why, but uh, to me, so have you ever had a friend that had just the most anus person that they were with and you couldn't figure out why? There's always somebody for somebody. So well, it just may I mean, to be honest, it kind of reminded me of those you know, my 800 pound husband or wife. And it's like, you know, like, and the husband's like the feeder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the you'll do it. <laughs> those are such disturbing. Those, those shows give me such distress because there's nothing worse than enabling the health of people, disabling the health of the people you love. I mean, maybe he's a chubby chaser. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, but yeah. But yeah, you kind of yeah. I, th I think that if they're able to like draw the relationship a little bit out a bit about those two, and then you can understand why he's like keeping her there and protecting her. And well, he's yeah. protecting the the children and the the, the, yeah, he's protecting he's the children. But he's I think he's protecting the children because he but he stays there because he loves his wife. I mean, why wouldn't you just destroy the house? He wanted to. He just couldn't bring himself to do it. Remember? He was talking yeah. About that's what I'm saying because he loves her so much. Yeah. So, so it's just kind of figure. It's kind of it's just kind of hard to figure out why the, the why he loved her so much. I don't think we yeah, were that, supposed to think of that. I guess. Yeah that that's that's where I keep having the the disconnect with this movie is why yeah. why does he love her so much? She doesn't have 
any redeeming value, it seems. It seems like she's just a jerk to everyone around her. Like I don't understand. Mm. And I think if they were you know, I think if they were able to draw that out or show that when they do the her the backstory, I think this would have elevated the film to a, a, a more emotional level because I figured like you finally hear the story and you think and you kind of like she dies and you're like okay. well the way she died yeah you know? well I'm I'm just glad there's no one in that hole because she probably would have killed them as well when she landed yes. <laughs> <laughs> no one can accuse you of not being a humanitarian Pete. listen I have a very very large friend who rides around in a scooter so I do have friends who are like that so. Didn't say that I approve of them. Didn't see I go out in public with them, but I still. No, <laughs> oh God! Not even the joke. <laughs> hey, I can't help it. I'm shallow. Shallow hell. Shallow. <laughs> Just call me shallow hell. It's- I guess what we should do is probably rate Monster House. Uh, so, Vix, well, how many stars do you rate Monster House? I'll give it a four. I thought it was fun. Mm. What about yourself, Joe? Probably around the same, uh, a four, because, you know, not as good as The Iron Giant. No, not at all. Uh, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not one of those movies that I'm going to think is like, you know, one of, the, one of the top tier absolute animated classics, but not going to turn it off if, you know, if I happen to stumble upon it. If you come in, you know, if I walk into a room and somebody's watching it, I'll be like, oh, cool, Monster House. I'll sit down and watch it. I'd watch it with my nephew maybe around Halloween time, you know, stuff like that. But it wouldn't it, it wouldn't be like one of those movies like The Lion King or Beauty and the Beast or The Iron Giant where I'm like, no, this is like absolutely must be venerated forever. I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, put it on that level. But nice. fun. I'm gonna give it a, a solid four. I like I like the film a lot, and I like the animation style, and I like the house, and there's, and I love um, I love that kind of wink to classic horror. It has it does have that kind of wink to classic horror movie kind of vibe to it, and I quite like that. So that, I'll give it a solid four, and I think it's one that you can. Play, I, think, I think it's one that you can show to people because I don't think it's widely known. No, I don't think it is. And I think it's becoming quite forgotten about, but at the same time, I, I do enjoy it. But kept getting it cons- confused with Monster Party for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. When he got Monster Party, I should have stayed. I love Monster Party. I got well, Mad <laughs> Mad Monster Party, the the stop motion animation with Phyllis Diller and Boris Karloff. Yes. Oh my yeah, God! I, got, I used to I love that. that. Yeah. I, got I was that. wondering if that's what she was talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I have action figures for that. So you, you would, you would. I forgot that Phyllis Diller was in that. Oh my I god, that thing was just genius back in the day. Well, she also appeared what, in Bugs Life as well, didn't she? Yeah, appearance in Bugs Life as well. I think that was her last acting role. Disney has a way of casting these classic people in their last acting role, like was it Phyllis Diller and you know in Bugs Life, right? Mary Wicks and Hunchback of Notre Dame, right? Vincent Price and Edward Scissorhands because that was a Touchstone film. No, that was a Warner film. So, but no, well, Vincent Price and the Tud Burton. Yeah, but fun.
That brings us to the end of the Literary License Podcast. Next week, we'll be covering, well, our next episode, we'll be covering anthologies. We'll be covering Sin City and Southbound. And so what I'll do is say goodnight for myself. Good night, Vix. Night, everybody. Good night, Joe. Good night, everyone. And see you in our next episode for anthologies with Sin City and Southbound.